0: Today we're going through a message about doubt. And doubt is one of those things that um, we want God's assurance. We want God's reminder that he is present, that he's powerful, that he's, he's not going to give up, and that no matter how crazy or wacky things get in life or unsure of things we can get, we know that God is with us and we can trust in him. Uh, we're walking this through, through the seven words of Christ this morning being the words of Christ where he spoke on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we're going to look at that through Genesis 17, the lens of Abraham when we think about doubt. I want to encourage you to turn your Bibles there. And as we prepare to hear God's word, let's pray for his blessing and presence on our time together. Father, we thank you for speaking your word to us this morning. And I ask, Father, for strength I ask for clarity. I ask, Lord, that our hearts receive your message for us. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name that um, I disappear. You show up. You speak powerful words of encouragement, truth, and life to people who need to hear it, including myself. I pray, Father, that um, those who are seeking answers to questions, that you will meet them. Those who have those answers and are living in joy and life, that you will meet them. Those who are simply struggling and not even sure how to get through today, Lord, meet them. Be present and speak your words of hope. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name and God's people said together. So how many of you have ever doubted God? Isn't it striking, right? The majority of us have wondered about who God is. We've wondered whether or not the truth of Jesus Christ is real. There's some bigger, um, we use the word, uh, or we use the phrase apologetics. Has anyone ever heard the word apologetics? It's this word that we use to define and sort of describe Christianity in a way to defend it against some of the claims of people who don't believe in Christianity. And oftentimes, apologetics is answering some of those big questions. But I have to admit, I actually took a course on apologetics when I was in seminary, that sometimes when those questions were posed, and depending on how they're posed and who's posing them in what form or fashion... um, Um, they can be really difficult questions to answer. And not only are they difficult questions to answer in terms of, well, how do I speak to this? But they challenge you. You know, the idea that we believe, I I have staked my life on the truth written here. And that this was written almost 2,000 years ago by a bunch of human beings that we now call the inspired word of God. It was written in at least three different languages that had to be translated from the time of its writing to now. Over the time and the course of history, this thing has been copied hundreds, thousands, even millions of times. And my trust is that the message that God gave back in that history is true today. And sometimes when you think about that hard enough, it's easy to question. Sometimes when you look at the world around us and you see the chaos and the challenge that we face as a culture, you see things that seem to be tearing down the church and faith and things that have been sure for a very, very long time, it's easy to pose the question, is God really in control? Right? Yeah? Anyone else? So for us to ask the question this morning about doubt is not only important, I would even say it's necessary. Because as we get older and as we walk through life, those questions are going to come up for us. This morning we're reading a story about a man who was 100 years old, so he had lived a lot of life already. And we see that he is in a place where um, God is meeting with him and God is speaking with him. Um, Abraham is childless. He has a child by a person who is not his original wife. He is Ishmael. But he doesn't have a legacy that he had longed for with his wife Sarai. And God meets him and God begins to speak with him. And God gives him these words beginning at verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham I will give you, I will give as an everlasting position to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. So this conversation between Abraham and God begins with God promising a lot, yeah? I mean, you start to look at the things that God promises. God promises you're going to get land, and it's a nice land. It's a land, ultimately, we hear described as a land filled with milk and honey. We also hear that Abraham, who is childless at this point, is going to be not only the father of many nations, meaning his progeny are going to inhabit the earth, but he is also going to have in his progeny kings and rulers and people who will be powerful. God promises Abraham a lot here in this story. But remember the context. The context is Abraham is a really old, right? 99 years. Now, we can ask some questions about that. Is that 99 our years? Is that 99 to different years? For our intents and purposes, we, I, it's 99 of our years. God. Could, God maintained Abraham's life for 99 years and even in the future. Some questions that we can ask of Scripture there. What does that all mean? But Abraham is certainly old. And he is beyond childbearing years. So, for example, George and Marvely. When are you guys getting pregnant? (laughs) You never know. God performs miracles, man. That would be high on the list. But we can laugh. I mean, really, we can laugh. But that's in essence what we're saying here. That's what Abraham is hearing. He's hearing at the age of... I mean, we don't even have anyone in this church who's 99 years old. We don't. And yet... Older than the oldest person in this room, all of a sudden is thinking about changing diapers again. Oh boy. But he's also saying, Abraham, you're going to have land and you're going to have lots of it. Now, Abraham is affluent, Abraham is successful. But even for him to say, I'm going to get all this land, in part because Canaan, where he is, he's a foreigner, he has no claim. There's no reason to believe that he could suddenly get all of this land and take it over. He doesn't have, A, the military power, and he doesn't have the financial power. So, he's old. He doesn't have the place. He doesn't have the power. He doesn't have the means. And yet, God makes these promises. And then God gets serious. Then, God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner those who are not your offspring whether born in your household or bought with your money they must be circumcised my covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh be cut off from his people he's broken my covenant so god is making all these promises to abraham they're big ones and then he makes it not just personal but intensely personal to Abraham because of the part of the body that he's talking about, right? I mean, let's be honest about that. Circumcision is an intensely personal way to enter into a promise, right? And so for God to make this request of Abraham, he's saying, I am willing to offer you all of this. Are you willing... Not just to say you're going to trust me, but are you willing to live in and to it? Are you willing to risk, in essence, yourself? Because if you talk about where circumcision happens, right? We talk about that being manhood. You are talking about risking your identity, your manhood, in order to trust me, to believe in me. And it is asking a lot of Abraham. But God, and we know this from the fullness of the story, God is also willing to give much. And God knows what it is that he will give in order to keep his covenant with Abraham. And even for him to ask this, this circumcision, really is not near the cost that he himself Pays Sometimes we're asked To risk much Now That whole idea of circumcision I don't know that anyone should ask That of you other than God himself however there are Times when we are asked much We are asked to Believe and trust that that God has this stuff I think about all the things that I, I just think about my family right now And what we're going through What we're walking through I have a child who's getting married this summer. I'm asked to trust that God will um, bless her and Cam, her um, fiancé, as they begin their life together. And trust that this is the person that God has asked has, has for my daughter. There's something that's being asked of Kristen and I. We also have another daughter who's going to college. Her, her and Kristen just spent some time in Sioux Center, Iowa, checking out Dork College. And it's a risk that's 1,200 miles away, at least, if she does go there. She goes to uh, whatever school. And I'm asked to trust that my 18-year-old daughter, who's a great kid, is, is supposed to go there. God calls me to that faith. My other child, my son Troy, has a lot going on in life. A lot going on in soccer. A lot going on in school. I'm asked to trust that God has him. There's a lot of changes going on here at the river. We're asked to believe and trust that God is going to continue to bless and keep us and show us the future. There's a lot in which we are asked to trust. I'm asked to trust, but so are you. You're asked to believe in the future. And I think about those who, what was it, I think 105 or 106 years ago that the river started, Will? Is that where it is? About 106. There you go. 106 years ago. 107. 107 years ago, there were a group of people, they were probably more in the north side of Redlands, they got together and they began to talk and say, we're a group of people, what is it that that God has for us? And there is somebody somewhere in history, and maybe it's recorded, probably not, who said, what if we start a church? What if we start a church and we start to think about gathering together for worship and growing together and loving each other and supporting each other? 107 years ago, someone actually had that conversation. Not knowing what the future holds. Not knowing what was going to happen next. Not knowing that someday that you would be gathered in this room with a whole group of people who God is touching through the ministry of the river. And you will represent hundreds of different places where God is speaking life and hope and beauty and, and, and the things of God into the world. I think about different roles and responsibilities. There's people here who have business involved. In business, lots of folks involved in education, lots of folks involved in the medical field. You all live in neighborhoods and communities. You're all part of families where God shows up and you do have opportunity to speak about the hope and the life of Jesus Christ. And that person 107 years ago who said, What if we start a church as a part of that? Could they know? Of course, they couldn't. They were asked to trust, they were asked to believe. And you have no idea what conversations you might be having right now that impact that sort of future of 107 years from now. That who are the children of this church that go out and change the world? Who are the people that you impact that go out and change the world? For us to think that we are called by God to believe much is absolutely true. We are called to a faith that is huge, friends. But God is willing to give everything in order to meet you in your faith. You can slowly see the picture coming together, right? Here's Jesus. His feet getting nailed to the cross. And he himself wondered about the future in that moment when he uttered those words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is the future sure in you? He wasn't. It was a big question. This huge question that he was asking God. He was saying, are you there? Can I trust you? Are you going to take care of my future? And of course, in that moment, it's hard to imagine that God did. But he absolutely did. Even in the pain and the death of Christ, there is this assurance that God gives to his son. Yes, the future is good. And it is through you that it comes. Let's continue verse 15. Verse 15 says this. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarah. Her name will be Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her that she, so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child? child at the age of 90 and Abraham said to God if only Ishmael might live under your blessing now i want you to think about abraham's doubts this is this is funny to me this is striking god has promised him land promised land beautiful land god has promised him people of all nations like people all over the world that will be directly descended from him god has promised him kings in his line And what does Abraham laugh at? Because it's not going to happen, right? He laughs because he's not going to be a dad. And it makes sense, right? He has every reason to believe that he's not going to be a father. For the simple reason that nobody else that he's ever known had become a father at 99 years old. It's not like George can look over and Ted and Virginia and say, well, you had a kid, I will too, right? It's not going to happen that way. And so Abraham is basing his laughter at God. He's laughing at God's promise based on this personal experience. It's based on logic. It's based on what always, what really. It's based on real life. But remember who God is. And Abraham has to acknowledge who God is. God is a God beyond what we imagine. He, he is beyond the ordinary. He is a God of the extraordinary. And yes, for Abraham to laugh does make sense. You would laugh too if you were in his place. But God is the God of the extraordinary. And so... Abraham tries to figure out an alternative, right? He's got an alternative. It's a good one. Ishmael. Please, God, this can be that blessing. This can be the future. This can be the progeny that you bring nations and kings and promised land out of. Please let it be Ishmael. And God says, well, I'll bless him too. But I'm still going to do the extraordinary in your life. I'm still going to do the thing that... You have to believe in me for it to happen. See, that's the key. When we have doubt, the answer to doubt is faith. It's believing even when you can't see, right? Turn over in your scriptures if you want to see Hebrews chapter 11. You're going to see this incredible hall of fame of faith. People who in that moment when they weren't sure that doubt came, the questions were real, they said, but I will believe. And who takes up a huge part, the lion's share of Hebrews chapter 11? What person in the history and the pantheon of scripture? Who is it? It's Abraham. So this guy here who in this moment is laughing at God because God can't not answer. God cannot do the impossible. Ends up because he is willing to believe even though it doesn't make sense. Even though it doesn't make sense he's willing to believe. And he becomes in that Hall of Fame of Faith, the main player. How do we know that he believes? And God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son. You will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him a great nation. My covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God got up from him. Here's faith, friends. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household, and, or bought with his money every male in his household, and circumcised them. As God told them, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. The first thing that we hear from this part of the passage is God even answers abraham's doubt he says you want ishmael blessed fine he'll be blessed no problem i'll take care of it 12 rulers he will become a great nation too even though you doubt me i will bless you here's the thing god can handle our doubt you understand that so for someone in your life somebody to have questions isn't evil Doubt isn't evil. Doubt isn't wrong. In fact, it's humanity. Jesus, in his humanity, uttered those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, the deity of Christ was separated from the deity of his Father, and he felt that abandonment because he was living fully and completely into his humanity. And in his humanity, he had been forsaken by God. And if the son can ask a question of God, don't you think we can? Our doubt is not too big for God. In fact, we have to understand, God invented doubt. He invented it. And he also works in ways that we don't expect. So, Ishmael. Ishmael is, in a sense, um, I don't even know how to describe Ishmael's birth. Sarah gives her servant to Abraham and says, you may sleep with her. Hagar bears Ishmael. And so all of a sudden, there's this other player in the story. It's not the way it's supposed to be, but God redeems it. And God does things out of it that are beautiful. Certainly there's challenge because it's not the, the way the plan was, it was in its fullness Because the plan in its fullness is through Isaac. God affirms that here. However, God still works in these extraordinary ways, even when we mess things up. But here, a lot can be said about Abraham's choices in life. There's a reason that Hebrews 11 talks a lot about him. Because he and his whole family, all the men, are circumcised. In the doubt that he has, he is willing to say, I believe. Help me in my unbelief, which is ultimately an utterance of scripture later on. He is willing to say to God, I'm not sure. I don't know what the future holds. You've told me I will trust. You've told me great nations, fine. You've told me a year from now I'm going to have a baby. He gets a glint in his eye, looks at Sarah differently that night, okay? But, ultimately, he says, I'm willing to take the step of faith. And I am willing to sacrifice my identity, my manhood, and that of my household out of faith for you. Friends, there's folks in here, you know who you are. You are in a place where you doubt what the future holds. You are, you're, you're doubting maybe work stuff. I have questions about that myself. I'm, I'm wondering what the future holds with some of the transitions here. Maybe you're in a place of doubt when it comes to your family. Maybe your marriage. You're not sure your marriage is going to survive. You got questions about this person and some of the things that are in your life and some of the pain and the struggle that you're experiencing. And you're wondering... Can God fix this? Maybe you're in that place with your kids. You got kids who are doing things and a part of stuff and in places where they shouldn't be or, or they're, 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 you're just not sure how that's going to go. And you're just, you're wondering, okay, what's the future hold here? It can be any number of places, maybe it's just you and I looking at this crazy world that we live in and asking the question, God, really are you in control? When we have that question, perhaps we need to live into what Abraham did. Doesn't mean we go out and get circumcised, but it means that we believe. That we are willing to trust. It means that my wife and I, as we walk through our decisions with our kids and our family and our home, that even though we're not sure, we're going to say, Okay, God, you've opened this door. You've got this thing in front of us. We're going to move towards that thing. Even though we're not sure how it's supposed to look. Even, you know, for me, Dort College is a place where I'm going to have to exercise a lot of faith if my daughter goes there. I mean, a lot of faith. But if that's what God wants, then I exercise it. You take the step. I'm going to give you another example. That card that we showed you earlier. You're going to sit there and you're going to say, I'll take 10 cards and nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. Nobody will come to church. Uh, They'll take that and they'll do what so often happens with postcards like that, right? File them in the round file almost immediately, right? We believe that. Oftentimes that does happen. But what if it doesn't? What if it doesn't? What if for some crazy reason the person that you have been talking with and praying for and hoping for that they would know the love and the grace of Jesus Christ doesn't throw it in the trash, instead looks at it and says, I'll be there. And what if while they're here, sitting in this seat right here, On Easter morning, and they hear the truth that Christ died, but he is alive. And he gives you hope, and he gives you life, and he gives you purpose no matter who you are. What if that strikes a chord and an eternity is changed? Doesn't that sound fun? Honestly, those are the things that we want to see. But you know what has to happen for that to occur? My church has an Easter service. Here are the times. Let me know if you'd like to go. We can hang out. Maybe we can have lunch afterwards. Will you come? That's faith. And that's one little spot, friends. But it's taking that one little step and saying, there is this door open. There is this thing there that God has called me to go towards. So out of faith and trust, I'm going to do it. Because God is the God of the extraordinary. 99-year-old man got together with a 90-year-old woman in order to birth the nation of which we are a part of. We are part of the legacy a whole promised land of Cana, kings that come, all the promises are answered and ultimately have their fulfillment in a man nailed to the cross so that God's people might not just have a place to live, but they might have a future, an eternity with their father. But it takes the step. It takes the the grab-the-card takes the conversation, takes the trust, that moment when you and I saying, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you. We praise you because you have given us a hope and a future. Lord, you you have answered our doubts, yet we still have the questions. We're still wondering at times if things are going to be okay. We wonder about our kids. We wonder about our workplace. We wonder about our parents. We wonder about whatever it is. We wonder about the future of this country, of this world. Lord, you call us simply to live in trust. Yes, we can have the questions. Yes, the doubts are real. But Lord, you call us to take the step as Abraham had he and his household circumcised. You call us to take the step of maybe having that conversation. Maybe of just living into faith. Maybe it's simply saying, Lord, I will take, a, we'll make a change. We'll we'll take that step that we weren't sure about. But we are going to believe that you are there and in that in. Lord, have a plan and a future for it. Father, may we be people in, in, in times of doubt who are willing to, even if it's a sliver, exercise that sliver of faith in a way, Lord, that can change the future. Not just for us, for us but also, Lord, for the kingdom. The kingdom can grow. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.